Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. How's everybody doing? You guys good? I'll tell you what, um, it's good to be in church with you. I know it's Thanksgiving and there's a lot of travel plans. Meredith and I surprised our boys this morning. Uh, we're staying, we're doing a little quick one-night staycation. So after church, we're heading home, packing our bags, and we're driving 20 minutes. <laughs> um, but they don't care. They don't care. Two o'clock in the morning last night, I was making phone calls to hotels to make sure they had uh, the surprise. Hey, Ruthie, thanks for watching my child over there. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Um, but uh, I am... Um, I know there's a lot of plans, a lot of it's happening, and uh, Christmas is coming, and then on top of that, you've got all the stresses and worries of, of um, COVID and, and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. I've got friends in California, the ones that are governed by the, the James Bond villain, and um, whatever, y'all relax, um, and, uh, and they, they got like, I think they can only have eight people in their house. Um, there are times where I am incredibly thankful to live in the great country of Texas, um, and, uh, but I, I don't say that lightly. I'm not trying to be trivial about things. I know there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of stresses, and there's a lot of worries, and there's a lot of challenges. And um, so I know that, that there's a lot to think about right now, which is why when, even a couple months ago, uh, talking with Josh Scheib, and we, I don't know, we may throw the overhead lights on. As long as you guys can see me, I'm good. Okay. Um, as long as the online stuff looks good. Everybody say hi to everybody online who didn't come to church because it was a little too cold for them this morning. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I, um, I, I know there's a lot happening. When we were talking to Josh Scheib, who, who, um, who you were, how many of you guys remember Josh Scheib, Pastor Josh Scheib, C3, Kansas City? Wasn't that phenomenal? Um, and, uh, ooh, those dim, those go up. Wow. Y'all, we are moving up in the world. Moving on up to brighter lights. Um, we, uh, we, um, we're talking about this, this kind of Sunday because he's, just finished for the first full year going through the church calendar. Um, so that means he celebrates all the church holidays, or at least most of them. Um, he, he celebrates all the kind of important. So how many of you guys know that today is the end of what you might call ordinary time? Anyone know that? Anybody? You're like, what? It's not been, it's anything but ordinary. Um, every year on the church calendar following the season of Pentecost, right, it turns into ordinary time when the church is meant to be the church wherever they are. And so for several months, it's called Ordinary Time. The end of Ordinary Time is Christ the King Sunday, which is the Sunday prior to Thanksgiving, typically. And so today is Christ the King Sunday. And I told you this last week, so you are actually at the end of 2020. Now, yeah, you can give God a praise for that. You can, yes, thank you, Jesus, right? This is the end of 2020. Um, you're, getting an, you're getting to the end of the year sooner than others. Uh, because next week begins Advent, the season of Advent, which is a season of waiting, longing, and expectation for the soon-coming king. And so you end the year, whatever the year has been like, however the year has gone, how, if you've had a good one, a bad one, or somewhere in between, or one that's not on that scale, Christ, the king, is still, yeah, yeah, no, you're supposed to say that part, king. Y'all haven't been responding enough today, so I'm just really, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really push that hard. Yeah. Christ the King Sunday. He is still the King. And in a year where 
don't know if you've had a few moments. I've had a few where it hasn't always felt like that's the case. It's good to come in on a Sunday and just remind ourselves that Christ is king. And so next week, uh, Advent starts. We are starting a book next Sunday called Honest Advent by Scott Erickson. Uh, if you follow him on Instagram, his name's Scott the Painter. He's an illustrator. Um, this book, uh, Awakening to the Wonder of God, with us then, here, and now. It's 25 chapters, about four pages each. They're brilliant. They will absolutely, without question, challenge you. Uh, they will put Advent in a way and put Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, in a way that you have not seen. The purpose of this book is to remind you of the humanity of Christmas, to remind you that this was a woman carrying a baby that had cravings, right, swollen feet, right, and walked like, to, like, big, like big stuff. On top of that, had the shame of, well, you, wait, you weren't married yet when you, all the stuff, the humanity of Jesus and humanity of how he showed up on the earth is in this book. And so there's even some illustrations in this book that you're like, whoa, whoa, you can't do that. And, um, and so don't let your kid, no, it's not that bad. But, but it is, it's very, very honest. It's very, very straightforward. And I love it. And we want to be a church that puts you in a position where you actually at least have to consider you have to at least consider some new things. Because if we're going to see Jesus like never before, we can't just keep saying the same old things. I think there's an earth, there's a world, and a culture that needs to hear about Jesus 100%. But they do need to see him in a way they haven't seen him before. And um, that is not to say that the way we've done it is all wrong. It's easy to be a critic. It's just so easy to be a critic, especially right now. Right? It's so easy to call a governor a James Bond villain. It's just so easy to put all of it on everybody else. But the reality is, is that we're all human. We all are good and bad, and we all need Jesus to be king and savior. Amen? And so I'd love for you. We got 20 of these. We do not have like 40 or 50, and there's more than 20 of you in here. Uh, so maybe you can buy it as a couple if you, if you are able. Uh, but they're $15. If we run out, you can get them on Amazon. You can get them on Barnes & Noble. You can go to Scott the Painter's website. Uh, we are not making a bunch of money off the sale of these. They're not normally $7. <laughs> um, so we have 20 of these here. So you can buy them. You have to go see uh, Mrs. Amanda Richardson to get the, the copy of that. And I'm telling you, if you want to know what Advent is and if you want to see it in a new light, this is absolutely the thing for you. We're going to be talking about it. What's cool is that for four Sundays leading up to it, we're going to be partnering with C3 North Atlanta, C3 Kansas City to preach the same theme each Sunday. We will actually be doing an interview with Mr. Scott Erickson himself. Also, most likely with uh, Mr. Simon McIntyre, and we're working on a couple other guests that we'll be doing some conversations around that you can get around the table with friends and, uh, and dive into that. So the other thing, and uh, I'm pretty sure they're doing it, but the other thing is we are going to, we, with the bulk order of this book came 15 prints. And so we're going to create a night for you to come in. Uh, we'll have a charge to it, uh, not much, uh, but this will also be something you can invite friends and family to. We will have a night uh, in the, the coming weeks where we display the artwork here, and each piece will have a question that goes with it, a verse that goes with it, so you have to contemplate it, think about it. We will limit the amount of people because of COVID um, and some other things, so we'll announce more details on that as they come. All right, you guys ready to jump in? Hey, continue to be praying over Vision Builders. Continue to be praying over what God is doing there. Uh, we've seen just about $20,000 pledged so far. Um, I know we're going to do more because I know many of you are still thinking, praying, and believing for what you're going to do, um, right? 
And um, and so uh, I know Meredith and I are the same way. We we keep going like it was. <laughs> it's fun how doing this together. And uh, and so, um, but I would just want to encourage you continue to pray over it. But at some point, lean in and go. Just say yes. Um, God is is gonna. God loves you. Cares for you. There is no manipulation. There is no twisting of the arm. I believe God's going to do something special here. I did confirm last week that uh, we, we will have matched up to $15,000 by a church uh, close by. That or something far greater, and I will tell you about that if it happens. Um, and uh, that one's like, wow, it would be amazing. But uh, I, won't, I, won't, I don't want to say it and then, you know. I know some people are like, just confess it. Um, all right. So continue to pray about that, and if you are going to make your pledge, go to vision, c3fortworth.com forward slash vision builders. Commit it there so that we can kind of keep it all in the same place. Don't just go to the normal uh, giving page, if that makes sense. All right, here we go. You ready? I'm going to read what I wrote this week. Rejoice in the Lord, you people of the Lord, for he is still Lord. Christ the King is still King. This Sunday is traditionally known as... In the church calendar is Christ the King Sunday. It is the end of the liturgical year, provides a bridge into Advent. Its purpose is to celebrate this, the current and coming reign of Christ as King of the earth and his completion of the renewed creation that marks the fullness of the kingdom of God. Welcome to the last Sunday of the year. I know you just sat down, but I'm going to ask you to stand right back up. Some of you got really comfortable with your Bible and your coffee but we're going to do something we did several weeks ago that you, many of you enjoyed, and we're going to do a read and repeat together. So what's going to happen is on the screen, I'm, we're going to read through Psalm 93, Psalm 93. I'm going to read a few lines, and then the line that is underlined, all right, we're going to read together. Uh, this is a way of us confessing the scripture together um, and to hear one another speaking it out loud. So I'm going to read the lines that are not underlined. Uh, and then you're going to read the underlined lines with me. This is a, this is a tradition throughout the church world. Uh, they do this in thousands of churches all over the globe every single Sunday. And, uh, and so today, because it's Christ the King Sunday, Psalm 93 is what we're going to do. You ready? The Lord is King. Come on, that's good. The Lord is King! Exclamation point. Some of you all need to learn how to use less of them. Some of you need to learn how to use grammar in the first place. The Lord is King. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Your throne, O Lord, has stood from time immemorial. You yourself are from the everlasting past. The floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted their pounding waves. Next one. There we go. But mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, the Lord above is mightier than these. Your royal laws cannot be changed. Your reign, O Lord, is holy forever and ever. Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, you reign forever and ever. No matter how high the waves get, you are mightier and you are above. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, you can be seated. So good. I, um, I grew up going to the beach, and uh, I never got to surf because my dad was still trying to become a good father. And um, I'm just joking. He hurt himself. He's just, it just, we, we boogie boarded a lot, body surfed a lot, and uh, we loved, loved watching surfing and loved the ocean and still 
to this day, surfing is something that I, I, I just think is such an incredible thing. It's one of these things that is uh, mysterious. Uh, you think you know what it is until you get in a wave and realize you had no clue. Just ask Scott Tresky and John McCurdy about the one time we went to the beach together and both of them were injured. Within 10 minutes of being there, not like I, you know, tired, worn out, made a mistake. Like Scott didn't even make it into the waves. He went four steps and twisted his knee and not even funny because he still deals with it to this day. That was 10 years ago. Five years ago. Feels like 10 years because he talks about it all the time. Scott, uh, John, John, John boogie boarded and thought that he did it good the first time. And sometimes you get a little confident. And so he did it again the same way, which the first time he did it wrong, he just got lucky. And I watched him do it the second time. It was a bad move. And he just went face first. And he's a big dude. So there's not like a lot of margin. Um, and he went straight into the sand. And he came up out of the water. His whole shoulder was purple. His face was purple. And he looked a little bit dazed. Uh, and so I went over and said, you okay, man? And he was like, yeah, I'm good. And uh, I think he sat down for a while. Um, arm in a sling, you know. One of the things that I love about the ocean and one of the things I love about the beach is, uh, and I don't go to the beach for the sand. I mean, if, if the sand could go away, I'd be fine with it. I go to the beach because of the waves. And one of the things I love about the waves is how difficult they are. I, I, it's funny, Meredith and I, when we try to decide if we're going to go on vacation somewhere, which we should talk about that. Um, uh, but when we try to go on vacation, she wants to go to the waves, or she wants to go to the beach and the, the, and the ocean that has zero waves, nothing. Just you can see through it. There's no, like, turn, no break, no nothing, which I'm like, we can go to the pool. <coughs> and there's no sand. You don't got to shower off and still have sand. I want to go to the beach, and I tell people this. If I go to the beach and the wave can't knock me over, we have gone to the wrong place. And I want to go to a place where I can feel the force of it. And that's what's so surprising about the ocean. When you go to the ocean and you stand on the beach and that wave hits you, you don't always, especially when you're doing it for the first time, you don't always expect the force of a two-foot, three-foot wave. I mean, you've all seen the funny videos of a girl trying to get the greatest pose on the beach, and the wave just comes and smashes them into the ground. And they get up and like, have you, have you just only been on the sand? Did you not know? And if you ever, I get, on, I get on Instagram sometimes, and I end up in this place where I'm just watching the videos of those massive tankers in the middle of the ocean going up and down and up and down, and I throw up. It just, it's, and it blows your mind. How is it so big? What is happening in nature that these waves would be so big? Out in the middle of nowhere, you would just assume it's all flat. And the wind and the, the form of the ocean and all the things that go on, I've always loved it. And one of the best things about the ocean is standing on the shore and looking out and realizing you have no idea where it stops. Standing on a cliff, I remember when Meredith and I, we went on a family cruise, and she stood up on Dana, uh, no, it wasn't Dana Point, it was Newport Beach, and the, the jetty, and up at the top of the jetty, there's a little cliff that looks over kind of wherever all the boats are, and I remember she looked over at me at that point in time, and she, we had argued about Galveston or California, and obviously, I won, and she, she looked over at me, and she goes, okay, yeah, I get it now. I don't know if that's how you remember it. Don't, don't, stop, I'm preaching, it's a great story, it's a great story. Stop it. I've said it a hundred times. It's real now. It's true. 
And that was a long time ago. Um, you say it enough times. And I remember we, we just, th- th- there's something about standing. It's just like for those of you who love the mountains, right? You stand on a mountain, you look over everything, and you go, okay, I needed to remember this. I needed to be reminded that the rocks will cry out with praise, that the break of the wave will say your name, right? That the things that you have put on this earth are majestic. And you have not despised it, but you have wrapped yourself in it. And you have said to us, rule and reign, cultivate and serve the earth until it looks the way I want it to look. I want you to think about disciples. Uh, Remember that crowd of disciples. Because in a couple different places in the Gospels, a couple different places in the Gospels, we see Jesus do something with waves that no one had understood. But we just read Psalm 93. Psalm 93 talks about the waves, right? The, the waters, the floods had risen. The, the things had come over the top. This was, they, they were mighty. They were loud. They were over the top. We don't know what to do with them. And the, the disciples who had spent their early life, the early part of their life, doing everything they could to memorize Scripture, to memorize the, the words of the prophets, to memorize all of these things. that They had heard some of these things spoken and said, the greatness, the majesty, the bigness, and even the fear of all of the things that had been on the earth, all of the things that were present. And so here are the disciples. And remember what I just told you a moment ago, that the gospel is about a king and his kingdom. See, we love to make the good news about a salvation message and a raising of the hand. And of course that's part of it. But it is not all of it. It, That actually only makes sense if you are saved from and into. And if you don't have an into like a kingdom, then what is the point of moving from? You have been moved from the light, the darkness, into the kingdom of light. Those are Paul's words, not mine. You have been brought into a kingdom. And a kingdom only exists if it has a king. That's the only way it works. Because the characteristics of the kingdom emanate from the character of the king. You can thank my grandfather for that one. And so the disciples, hearing things like that through the Psalms, all these pictures, this incredible, incredible poetry and these incredible words that are used to to paint this picture of who God is, the one who had hung the stars, the one who had shaped the earth, the one who had put the clouds into place, the one who had raised valleys and lowered mountains, the one who had done all these things as you read through the Psalms. Here they are in Luke chapter 8. You find the same story in Mark chapter 4, Matthew chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 25 says this. One day he, being Jesus and his disciples, got into a boat and he told them, Let's cross over to the other side. So they set out, and as they were sailing, he fell asleep. Thanks for helping. Appreciate it. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake. They were being swamped and were in danger. They came and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. This is is how it works, right? When my son comes to me and he's hurt or he's upset, There is for sure some what you might call catastrophization that is happening. That was a big word. I'm glad I got it out. We tend to, we tend to catastrophize all the things that happen in the earth. It is a word, I know uh, Rebecca Tresky knows this word because she studies these kinds of things. When you study psychology, what we tend to do in life when things happen, whether we're six or 60, 
when we are emotionally dealing with other things, we will take something and make it a catastrophe rather than a problem. We will make it a catastrophe. All things are happening. The, the sky is falling. We are going to die. And everything come, becomes the biggest problem in the world. Everything becomes the biggest challenge in the world. All of it begins to bring us to a place of feeling like it's over. And then he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. So they ceased and there was calm. So they ceased and there was calm. Jesus gets up in the middle of the storm. Psalm 93, the flood is rising. The things are crashing. Everything's going on. Jesus stands up in the middle of the storm, the one he had been asleep in. I guess the question for you right now is, is Jesus still king when he's asleep? Is, was he still in control when the waves were crashing and he had his eyes closed? Was he still king when everything that could go wrong was going wrong and they felt like they were going to die? I don't know if you've ever, maybe just at some point, I don't know, like this year, felt like everything was going wrong. You were going to die. I remember when, when COVID first hit, and of course there are people who have died. There are people who are going through the worst of the worst and the most tragic. So again, never am I making light of this. But I remember when I first started, I, one, I would not go to my parents' house. They were kind of annoyed with me, actually. It's just my parents. And I, I, I wouldn't go there. I was, I was wiping down all of my groceries. There were a couple times where I took off my clothes when I walked in the laundry room. That, but they said that's what you should do. Why are you? That's what they said. And there were times where in the midst of everything that was going on, I was making decisions and, and, and moving in such a way where it was the fear of death that was deciding for me who I was going to be. It was the fear of death that was deciding for me who I was going to be in that moment. I don't think you should not. T- I, th- I think you should take precautions. Again, I'm not making any kind of weird political statement. I'm just simply telling you that there are times where things hit you, especially when they're unknown, especially when they were somewhat of a surprise. When we look at these moments and we look at Jesus and we go, are you aware? Like, do you see the problem? Not only are the waves crashing, but you, Jesus, are sleeping. You're not even lifting a finger to the problem that I'm facing. And Jesus stops it all. He looks at the waves and rebukes the waves, which again, king and kingdom. What is Jesus doing here? If you've grown up your whole life hearing all these incredible uh, word pictures of what God had done and all the things that were happening, and even when this is crashing in, and even when that is happening, and when the enemy comes against me, and all the types of scenarios that you see in the Psalms and the prophets, if you grew up hearing all of these stories from generation to generation as a young man, growing up hearing all of these things, and then you're in this moment where those actual waves are no longer just a word picture. They are no longer allegorical. They are no longer just some idea out there about some symbolic thing that God had done out in, right? But right now, no, there's actual waves crashing. And Jesus stands up in the midst of it and says, waves, calm down. 
storm cease and the wind and the waves obey him. What is Jesus doing again? He's not just trying to make sure you have a good verse. Rocks cry out so we should praise. He's not just calming the storms because he wants to get to the other side. In every moment, Jesus is declaring both in word and deed that he is king. He is declaring in this moment that he is the king of the world and even the wind and the waves obey him. He is, he is reminding these disciples that it is him who controls what's happening. Now, this is, if you look at the chronological order of miracles, this is like the 13th. 13th, 14th. They'd seen, they'd seen water to wine. They'd seen uh, people raised from the dead. They'd seen sickness healed. They'd seen all kinds of things happen following Jesus. And then they're in the middle of a storm, and they look at Jesus, and they say, don't you realize we're dying? Now, I don't know if they really were. We don't have measurements of the ways. We're not sure if there's any holes in the boat. We don't really know. We just know that when you put 12 guys together and things go bad, it goes really, really bad. That is scientific. That is, science is real, y'all. That is a real thing. When you put 12 guys together and one or two of them get freaked out, everybody's getting freaked out, partly because we think it's humorous. We think it's funny, partly because we're idiots. But when it goes wrong, it goes really wrong. So these guys go to Jesus, and Jesus stands up and calms the wave, and then he says something really, really important. And this is where we live today on Christ the King Sunday. Verse 25 he said to them, Jesus said to them, where? Everybody say, where? Where is your faith? They were fearful. They were amazed. And they asked one another, who is this? And the verbiage here, the wording here is important. He commands. Doesn't ask. He commands, which, which gives this connotation of there is something subject to him. He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. So are we just witnessing a miracle of, that's cool? Are we just witnessing a miracle that's, that's nice that we're going to quote in church one day and say all great stories about storms and all this stuff? Or are we watching a Savior stand up in the middle of a storm and say something about who he is? He's standing in a boat, not on the throne, not surrounded by guards, saying, I'm the king, you better believe it. No, he's standing in a boat surrounded by fearful men with waves crashing, and he's declaring that he's king. I don't need a king that sits on the throne and doesn't have anything to do with me. I need a king who actually falls asleep on the boat I'm on. And is he still king? See, some of us have felt that way. Some of us have felt like he's been sleeping on us. He feel like he's... he's He's not been around, but if you follow the pattern of the Gospels, you follow the pattern of really the entire Bible, what you find out is that God has never been after your comfort. He hasn't. He has always been after your courage because your courage is based on what fills your heart. Comfort is not a heart thing. You don't need a lot of heart to sit in a lazy boy. You don't need a lot of heart to have an easy job with a good boss that pays better. 
You don't need a lot of heart when kids don't do what you said they're supposed to do. You don't need a lot of heart when your spouse isn't the person you thought they were. You don't need a lot of heart when COVID hits and your boss loses everything he gave his life for. You don't need a lot of heart when you see people suffering and injustice you never were aware of. You don't need a lot of, or sorry, you, you don't need a lot of heart when things are going well. You need a lot of heart when those things are happening. Why didn't y'all correct me? I was going down a wrong path there for a second. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Some of y'all knew. Some of y'all are like, I don't, what is happening? He flipped it? I don't understand. God's not after your comfort. If he was after your comfort, he would have already named the animals when he put Adam there. If he was after your comfort, the plants would already be grown. Eden would have already been perfect. Instead, it was potential. Because perfection to God is not that everything looks right. It's not just that everything feels comfortable. It's that there's peace in the midst of storms. There's hope when everybody else is in despair. That even though 10,000 may fall at your right hand, you will remain standing. God looks at you and says, I'm after what is in your heart. Where have you located your faith? Who is royalty in your life? Who sits on the throne of your mind and your heart? Who decides the kind of subject you will be? What kind of kingdom have you decided to live in? The boys and I watched uh, Lion King yesterday, like the new one. And I, 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 we went and watched it in the theaters, and I remember walking away going, ah, oh, that was okay. But that was probably because I was dealing with my kids in the theater. We watched it yesterday on Disney Plus at the house, and that is it's an awesome movie. Some funny parts. And there's a scene where, um, there's a scene where uh, Simba, who had been, I hope I don't ruin the movie for any of you. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's been out for a minute. Plus, it's a kid's movie. You know what's going to happen. And so Simba goes away, thought he had done something wrong, right? Thought he had ruined it all. Thought he had killed his father, the king. So he bails. And he goes and lives in comfort. He's eating all the things he was never made to eat, but it was comfortable. Hanging out with people that probably wasn't meant to hang out with, but it was comfortable. And then his girlfriend shows up. And she says, this is not who you are. And then the monkey shows up. Simba, this is not who you are. And then the clouds roll in. And the dad's in the clouds. He says, this is not who you are. There is something else for you. There is a different kingdom for you to live in. See, everything about Genesis is that you have been shaped in my image. And to say that is to say that you are like the king. It was actually pretty scandalous to say it. And then the gospels show up and Jesus stands up and he says, storms go away. Wind stop. Waves cease. I'm the king. Now, disciples, be like me. Become more like me.
Walk in my ways. Speak the way I speak. Do even greater things than I. And Simba gets back to Pride Rock. I don't even know if those are, nobody knows. And, and he walks up into the mountain, and there's Scar, and he shows up through the smoke. And Scar looks at him, and what does he say? He doesn't say Simba. He says, Mufasa. It's like, wait, you look like somebody I knew. Because when you look like Jesus and you stand where you've been placed, then the kingdom shows up. And then my favorite scene in all of Lion King, and they do it better in the cartoon because it's less realistic. But in the cartoon, what happens? In a matter of 20 seconds, this barren land goes to what? Green. It goes back to what it was meant to be. Hello, gospel. Hello, Christians. Hello, disciples. Genesis, the garden, the city of God. Is what you and I are meant to take this earth into. And if we would remember that Christ is still king, then we would act like people who have a kingdom. And where there is barrenness, there would be leaves that flourish. There would be trees that grow. Where there is despair, there would be hope that rises up. Where there are rivers that have gone dry, things would begin to flow again. And where storms seem to be crashing against the boat, you and I as the church will stand up in the middle of the wind and the waves and say, peace, be still. That's what the world needs. The world does not need you to pick a side. The world needs you to live in a kingdom. The world needs you to remember that Christ is still king. And in spite of all the things you've faced, and in spite of all the things we're walking through together, he still sits on the throne of your heart and mine. And he rules in heaven and earth. And until that day when we see the fulfillment of the kingdom, we live with it in our hearts and minds and carry it into the streets and avenues and boulevards and workplaces and homes of this city. Because the kingdom is near and is now and is still coming. Because Christ is and will be and has been king. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. There are some in this room, many, in fact, in this room, myself included, who have had moments in the last several months, maybe even the last several days, where we have felt smaller than we've ever felt, more fearful than we've ever felt, have more anxiety than we ever knew we could have. And today, as we close out the year, come on, everybody said amen to that. As we close out the year, we declare, we remember, and we know that you are king and above all kings. You are the name above every other name. You are the Lord that reigns above every other Lord. You are. And so let the people of the Lord rejoice in the Lord because he is still Lord. And today, I have not done this in several weeks. I have just let you make your own decisions. But today, right now, for some of you, this is 2020, and you're ready to remind yourself that Christ is king. 
And the way I want to do that is the same way Jesus said the rocks would cry out. The same way he stood up in a boat and said, wind, go, waves, cease. And I want you right now, if you're going, that's my king. That is my Lord. He is still reigning. He is still high and lifted up. He is still above all things. He is still mightier than the floods. He is still greater than the storms. He is still above all the pain and the heartache and the difficulty. He reigns in it all. If that's you this morning, you're saying, I just need to come back. I need to come back to Jesus as king. Would you right now? Boldly, courageously, not comfortably. Come on, would you right now just lift your hand to heaven? Say, that's me. I'm coming back to Jesus as king. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else just say, that's me. I'm coming back. I, I, I want to remind myself that Christ is still king. Would you just right now just raise your hand? Thank you so much. So good. Everybody stand up. We're going to sing together. Lord, I thank you for today. Oh, so good, y'all. Christ is king, isn't he? Come on, let's say it. Christ is king.